0: How you doing, man? I'm,
1: I don't know, to be honest with you. I it, So we're getting ready for our yearly Mecca trip to House of Mouse, right? Uh-huh. And even though I've made this trip, you know, what seems like five million times, I don't know, this one feels stressful for some reason. I don't know why. There's no, huh. I, I mean, I guess there's one good reason in that. There's a lot of factors that we're going with. Like a group, the total group is like 23. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So there's so there's like our family, which is like 13, 11, or I think it's 13. There's a third, a second family that's only four, and then a third family that's like another 11 or 12 or something like that. So it's like it's a lot, man. And so yeah we're, So you know, and we're such creatures of routine and habit. We're adding in a lot of X factors here that are like, you know, can't be controlled. So we're interested, I'm interested to see how it's going to go. Like I'm ready to just get on the road. Like I'm trying to control all the things I can control, which is like packing. Right. And but we're in that stage to where like you can't actually finish packing until you've, you know, like you've used your deodorant on the morning that you're going to drive out. So then you can finally pack it and get going. So like we're in that weird like. Ninety-five percent done, but gotcha. not done, and that, so
0: close to being done. But that five percent feels massive now oh, because just, it's all that's left. I it just want to thing. button
1: it up, man. Like, so then I can feel like I'm back in control of my situation, even though that's a lie. So I don't know. We'll, we'll what see. But a beautiful
0: lie, a it lie is, that just feels so good.
1: It is. It's so necessary for me and my sanity. Oh, so yeah, that's uh that's going to be that's going to be interesting. So, I hope it goes well.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sure it will. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Anytime you've got something big like that coming up, the interesting part tends to be that the things that you are like already assuming are going to go really well. There's going to be like a couple of things that pop up wrong in there. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the things that you're anticipating is a major problem. It's going to end up being absolutely like, nothing.
1: Non-factor. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. The hardest part is just going to be like the go with the flow approach, which is not always our strong suit.
0: At I times. mean, you guys aren't planning on having the whole crew of 23 just like rolling through the park we from ride to ride together, mean, right? Like we should,
1: man. Just like we're a street gang that's just like clubbing people. Uh, like, get out of the way. See, yeah, you, think you think that sounds funny because you
0: think that's how it would be working. But let's be real, honest. You would be so furious <laughs> yeah, about yeah. about two decisions in yeah. when if you, you get outvoted two times in a row. And your uh, girls aren't happy about it. And dad's yeah. got to like try and clean things up. Uh, uh-uh, Now nah, you, you'd be so out on that.
1: Exactly. So yeah, no, the, we, I, I hope I've been telling Kristen relying on the fact that she's telling everybody else. Cause it's like the moms have a group chat that I'm not a part of, which I don't even want to be a part of, but no, no, no. Yeah. yeah the the that's great that decision making everybody. Like if you want to go do your thing, go do your thing. Like, we're going to do our thing. You're going to do your thing. Let's try to connect a couple of times. Um, The only thing I'm thinking about is like the, each family that's going has a kid at the same age as our kids. Right. And so Uh, I think the older girls are going to want to click and they're going to want to be, you know, rolling through Disneyland together
0: as part of their, as part of their crew.
1: Yeah. You know, but like, I can't take on all of the kids and let all you know, like, be like, sorry, you know, I, I don't know. So, like I said, we'll see how it goes. I think it's yeah. going to be fine. It's going to be it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I'll have something. Say, to say
0: it like three more times. Then you'll <laughs> have yourself completely convinced.
1: <laughs> exactly. And then the lie will be complete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's hit intro and jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognized the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The do Podcast here we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So, pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. Okay, so we since I am hitting disney were pre-recording so yeah. it's only been a couple of days have you do you have anything new to report in those couple of days
0: no yeah. i've done nothing exciting on the drink front in the last 48 hours yeah. no
1: yeah nor nor i you know i can't even like try to sit here and fluff and make something up to be honest with you yeah yeah i got nothing that's a shame Well, not really. I mean, mean, like, like we we work day jobs. So it's.
0: I was going (laughs) to say, like, realistically, uh, if I were pounding exotic uh, beers and liquors during the week as a high school teacher at a Catholic (laughs) school, I feel like that would actually be where the problem lies. Right. Um, I agree.
1: Oh, man. So, story. Like, I. uh, So, my girls go to jujitsu, and it's nice out. And so what I do is I like kind of I wait till there's a front row parking spot and then I'll back in mm. and then I'll pull forward a little bit. So I have, you know, a good couple of feet behind the like the sidewalk in my car and I pop the trunk. I have a fold out chair, set my fold out chair, read my book, watch some Netflix, whatever is going on. So there were some people out there and they were like, oh, look at this guy. Like he's like tailgating a, a jujitsu class. I was like, hey, man, yeah. It's comfortable. In point of like fact, it. yeah. And so I have my little sparkling water. So I crack open my sparkling water. They're like, oh, man. And he's he's got a beer, too. And I was like, oh, no, just water. And she's like, hey, no judgment here. no." Ju-. I was like, well, until my kid gets in my car and I have to drive her home, like there should definitely be some judgment.
0: Right. No, this. no. And, and also, like, so, yeah, you're right. There should be some judgment there if that was actually going on. But also... The fact that you're sitting here commenting in surprise at the idea of me opening a beer here tells me there is some judgment there. There Like (laughs) if there were no judgment, you wouldn't have said anything and I wouldn't have had anything to respond to.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But it was so anyway, that's the closest thing I have to an interesting story around beverages. So uh, that's, that's what I got. Well, uh, we'll just move on from there.
0: Perfect. Uh (laughs)
1: All right, so we are talking through the three temptations uh, of Christ mm-hmm. in the desert. Uh, the first one was about the bread, and then the second one, I should have done a better job of like reading it completely, but this is no, the it's one right. where he tells him to like jump off and let the angels catch him, right? Type of a thing. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of one of those things. Like honestly, for the second and third one. Your order may vary depending on which of the Gospels you're reading. Like in, did they really? Uh, yeah. yeah, like so they they flip it uh, a little bit on when Jesus is told to throw himself down from the temple and when Jesus is shown the kingdoms of the world. Well, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, what? but like they're the same temptations. Sure. yeah, so sure. we're we're going with the uh, the one where Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple and says, "Look, throw yourself down." Uh, remember and like Satan quotes the Bible to Jesus, which is phenomenal BSing. Like that is <laughs> yeah. that is some top level work. Satan, <laughs> like this is not admiration, but there is a little bit of like, ah, I, I see the and effort. Ballsy,
1: yeah. I'm going to use yeah. the written word against the living word, and right. see how I'm going to tell out. God
0: about His book. <laughs> this is like the most extreme version of me sitting down with like, if I got to. If I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to to Tolkien and me, like calling him out, yeah, like, like and trying to correct him on something <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings, um, yeah, no, 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 this is this is a bold move, yeah, by Satan. But he, you know, he quotes the scriptures, quotes one of the Psalms where uh, it said that unto his angels he has given his command that they shall lift you up lest you dash your foot against a stone, mm-hmm. and so Satan's like, look. Throw yourself down. Here we are in the middle of Jerusalem. Throw yourself down. The angels come and like keep you from hurting yourself. What's there to lose?
1: That's a uh, weird temptation to me. Like is it is it, it like it's not is he like telling him to commit suicide or like <laughs> like I don't I guess I don't understand the Old Testament reference either other than like is it out of context or is it like like I don't a really bit. get why he would be like hey, throw yourself off this building so the angels can catch you. I'd be like, What well, that doesn't make sense to me.
0: So in, in the psalm that's being quoted, it's mostly talking about this idea that you as God's chosen, God will not allow to know defeat. And in fact, he will not even allow you to know harm. Um, like rather than you stubbing your toe on a rock, God will send his angels to have you just sort of hover above the ground so that you can't even do that. Um, so, so it's so chosen to his
1: chosen one status.
0: Yeah. And so, like, there's uh, there's a couple of possibilities here because, like, I'm, you know, one step in below, like, the inscrutability of me trying to sit here and read God's mind and say exactly what God is thinking about things. A level below that, in a significant level, but still, like, way, way up above my pay grade and my ability is trying to truly understand Satan's plans on things. Mm-hmm. Like his goals, I get, but like how he thinks he's going to get there. nope, I ain't got that. So it could be that there is, you know, like, well, go ahead, throw yourself down, commit suicide, and then this is not according to God's plan, and maybe salvation is ruined. Uh, I wouldn't say that's an absurd interpretation of it. But the one that I hear the most that kind of makes the most sense to me is, again, this is in Jerusalem. Like, what better proclamation could there be that he is indeed the chosen of God to all of the, the people in Jerusalem than for him to put himself in harm's way and have the angels of God, his messengers coming and, like, propping him up here in this public display? Like, it would be a powerful, powerful testimony to the fact that he is indeed God's chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... There could be like an actual, an actual level of temptation here. Like not that it's a thing that Jesus actually considered, sure. but the temptation makes sense from the perspective of, ah, your mission is to have people come to believe in you so that they will draw closer to you and closer to your heavenly father. Well, look, here's a way you could do it. Yeah. And you could skip some of the, uh, the steps that are coming out because this is again like before jesus starts his public ministry he's been baptized in the jordan and went off into the desert and so like he hasn't started wandering and preaching he hasn't dealt with uh battles and throwdowns with the pharisees on scriptural debates like
1: it's kind of like the cheap and easy way out you know mm -hmm. it's like here you could do this you know get there quick and fast or You could do it the slow, hard way, you know, like the right way or the easy way, you know, and like which Mm -hmm. that's that's interesting. I never thought about about it in that way before.
0: Yeah. And again, like no guarantee that that was what Satan was aiming for. But that's one of the explanations that I've heard that makes a lot of sense to me. But like it's the problem with it is, number one, it wouldn't have worked. Mm hmm. Like, that that's part of it. And kind of like with that parallel to doing things the easy way versus the right way. There's a reason that the right way is different. It's because the right way works and the easy way, like, is at least less effective. Yeah. And so, like, when you – because the logic behind it makes sense if you don't know what happens in the rest of the gospel. They're like, oh, this very public display of what Jesus can do. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, no, that – that sounds really impressive until you think about the fact that like Jesus multiplied loaves to feed people. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus brought people back from the dead. uh Jesus himself came back from the dead. Um, his apostles were arrested and like prison gates just sort of opened for them. Like there were plenty of miracles and people still didn't believe. Yeah. So this idea that, Jesus falling from the top of the temple or jumping from the top of the temple and there being some like would make a heavenly believe. vision yeah. was going to automatically make people believe. No, there, there is significant evidence to say that, uh, you know, to a certain extent, people were more used to the, the mystical and the supernatural. You know, we hear about like the apostles getting into fights with other groups of people who are casting out demons and things like that. like, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say these things were daily occurrences, but there was so much more unexplained that I think there was a sort of a threshold level, Mm -hmm. maybe, of difference in terms of what would stand out as like, okay, that is really impressive. That was cool, like magician you bring for the kid's birthday party cool Mm -hmm. versus like, oh, this is actually Yahweh himself made present to us and speaking to us.
1: Yeah. So I, I was thinking that it was kind of a, my initial thought while you were a, a couple of minutes ago was that, Oh, he's trying to get Jesus to prove himself, you know, like prove to people that he's the Messiah. But then like I immediately that, that got shot down for the same reason you just said is that he did all of the miracles and the miracles, which are supernatural are the proof and people still didn't believe. So if you had, if he had taken the temptation from Satan, there is no proof that it would have even worked except he wouldn't have had the foundation of the investment of the disciples and of the – or the apostles and then the disciples from there. And like there would have been none of the foundational work for the church to stand on
0: mm-hmm. going forward because there wouldn't – it wouldn't No, oh, have- absolutely. And like realistically, that's the second level problem. You know, Mm -hmm. like that is that is a good practical analysis of like how things fall apart if you don't have those three years of discipleship Mm -hmm. before the apostles are sent out, you know, with disciple meaning student coming to the feet of Christ and learning from him before they are sent out. Yeah. If you skip that step, yeah, no, there are some very like practical problems that come up from that. But then there's also the much bigger problem. Things work because they're God's plan. And so, like, and that's kind of Jesus' response with the, you know, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Because, like, obviously Jesus isn't going to lose the scripture, quote, throw down battle with Satan. Like, no, right. no you got to understand, I am the word. I, I know this stuff. When I was 12 years old and I was schooling the Pharisees down in Jerusalem, you've got nothing on me. And so, like, this idea that, well, no, like, it's not about that. Uh, it's not about me showing and me demonstrating. It's not about me proving things. It's about entrusting myself to the plan of my Heavenly Father and doing things the way he has laid out for me because I know his way is what will ultimately work. Yeah, He is the one with the plan, and I am placing myself in his hands in trust.
1: and trust. And you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because like I'm sitting there thinking that because his response is, you know, don't put the Lord your God to the test. But I also feel like there is a scripture somewhere where it says to put the Lord your God to the test. But uh, but essentially, and that's what I would say trust is also. Like when we say, Hey, trust the Lord, we're saying put the Lord to the test. Like we're saying mm. like like but what we're but it's but it's different, right? Like we're saying trust in God and let him show you what he's capable of and and like prove in love type of a thing versus a, like a manipulative.
0: You owe me this.
1: Yeah. You owe me or like a force, like a create a transaction, like force a transaction, you know, like if you were to push something into someone's hand and then require them to give you something different, you know, like that wasn't a relationship. You forced this response. You're trying to force me into action by doing something, um, and I feel like that dynamic is different. So there is this weird dynamic to where like, we want to see God move Mm -hmm. and you have to trust him to do that. But it's, I think the underlying the linchpin or whatever is is that it's his will and not ours.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction because you're right. Like there is, I can think of one specific one and I'm sure there are actually more, but like, the prophet Isaiah is talking to, I forget which king. I want to say Ahaz, but I'm not totally sure. And like, Ahaz isn't sure whether he can like trust God or whether he makes the alliance with the Egyptians and all this kind of stuff. And Isaiah tells him, Look, ask the Lord for a sign and he'll give you one. And Ahaz says, very similarly to Christ here, Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't, far be it for me to put the Lord my God to the test. Mm hmm. But like Isaiah calls him out because he's like, no, no, no. That's BS from you. That's not actually what you mean. Because it's different if we don't know what it is God wants us to do and we ask him to show us the way. Mm -hmm. Lord, let me know what you want from me. Versus, because like that's what Isaiah is saying. Like, look, you don't know what you need to do here. I am telling you, God will let you know. Ask him, invite him to give you a sign. Mm. And then trust that he will give you one. Whereas what Satan is doing is like asking to be the one setting the terms. Yeah. It's not asking for a sign. It is asking for this sign happening this way mm-hmm. in these circumstances. Like you said, this transactional negotiation.
1: It, it makes and so me, like. Yeah. Sorry. I want to jump in here really quick on your thought there two. because it's a good one. But like. The way you were just saying that made me think of the Canaanites and Elijah, right? Mm. They were like, "Prove it and do it this way," and then, so like they're trying to set the terms, and Elijah's just like, "No, no, no," and then he like kind of resets everything, and blow like, so it, it's just interesting the way that the test when the te- the the heart behind the test, yeah, you know, is such a a. Key factor, but keep going with your thought. I just saw it. it, It's actually going right
0: along with that. Like, this idea of like, there is a humility in what Isaiah is calling Ahaz to do.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Isaiah is asking Ahaz to be humble and say, Lord, guide me. I do not know what to do. Show me. And I entrust myself to you. There is an arrogance to what Satan is asking Christ to do. Like, Again, taking this scripture passage from the from the Psalms out of context and saying, you know, God, you said this specific thing. I am going to apply it in this specific case. Very different than what it says in the Psalms. And if you don't, if you don't do this, then this proves that you are either not God, you're not loving, or you're not trustworthy. And it is, it's an attempt at negotiation. And here's the thing. Negotiating with God We're not actually negotiating. At best, when we negotiate with God, at best, we are begging Mm -hmm. in the way that like a spoiled child like announces this is what you will need to do to make me happy. Are you going to make me happy or not? It is a begging and it is a tantrum. Mm -hmm. Because like in order for it to be an actual negotiation, both sides need leverage. Mm -hmm. There has to be something that like both sides need something from each other. And when we attempt to enter into that negotiation with God, we've completely lost sight of the fact that we need everything from him and he needs nothing from us. Like there is no there is no equivalent exchange that we can make for our salvation. There is no. Uh, equivalent exchange we can make for the gift of his love for the gift of his creation. Like he made us and we can't make him. So yeah, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And that's, that's, I feel like, so again, you said something there and I want to like provide, like give the other side of the coin to that. And that is when you were saying the, um, crap, I forgot what you said, but it made me think of the health and wealth gospel when you were saying, Oh, Mm. here's this, here's this scripture which it applies, but isn't directly what we were talking about, you know, but like, I'm going to use it for my own like uh, means. And so that's all I was thinking about is like, Oh, I'll just use this verse that says, Oh, if you do this, then everything will work out for you. Or if you do this, then you're going to make lots of money. And, and on that, that, that is when we're talking about like the transactional and the different things, like in reality, that's magical thinking. mm Hmm. Right. We're saying we're trying to conjure using God like we're, we're trying to say, if I do this thing, then God must do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it it's like you said, negotiations, but but it's not like God doesn't negotiate with terrorists. Right. Like we're not going to like we're not going like, <laughs> to give him such a hard time that he's going to be like, oh, you know what? He's like written bible he's really got me over over the barrel on this one i I have to give him a bunch of money now uh you know like that it doesn't (laughs) work that way like you cannot create a magical spell using god
0: absolutely and i think almost like the the magical stuff you're talking about is actually almost even like a step further than negotiation because like it strips god of personhood like, if you think about the way magic works in, like, Harry Potter books and things like that, yep. there is this power. There is this force. But it's not actually, like, an intelligent force. It is a, if I say these words, do these things, use these items, this result happens. Yep. And so it's not even, uh, there's not even a person there to negotiate with. It is... uh a force it really does kind of reduce god to a force of nature yeah you know like there's this it it is a very um i don't know like i'm drawing a blank on the term for it it's not quite deist but like uh just a straight up theist kind of thing that idea of people who just believe that there is there is some force there is some source of life and it is Uh, a power in the cosmos as opposed to a person who has like done these things and so you have it's supernatural only in the sense that our ability to explore and quantify it in the natural world falls short but it operates the same way yeah Yeah, extra natural that is a much better way to put it yeah and like so this idea that if I jump through the right hoops, if I push the right buttons, if I say the right words, and if I if I bow my head the right way this many times mm-hmm. while facing the right direction, and then I spin three times on my right foot before hopping twice on my left, mm-hmm. and uh, flick the person in front of me on the right ear, just right at the bottom of the lobe there, <laughs> then I will be able to become immortal, and I'll be able to yep. fly, and I'll be able to like be wealthy, and all of those kinds of things. And it is. Like, it all... Ultimately, it is all very much kind of in keeping with, you know, the the devil's playbook of the, um, and this is non-scriptural, but like the, the Paradise Lost line about non-servium, I will not serve, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven mm-hmm. type of thing. And so it is all about, like, okay, so I can't defeat God. But how do I minimize him? Mm -hmm. How do I manipulate him? How do I use him? If I can't defeat him, is there a way I can trap him by his own rules?
1: Yeah. And even so, like, I had this thought that there was, like, this subtle consequence that he would have magnified, which if Jesus had forced God to do something that he'd done, I mean, like, that would be – Reducing the father's personhood, right? Like, like making mm-hmm. him or subservient, like you would, there's these subtle consequences in the dynamic of the father son relationship that would have um, changed or would have been, you know, the implications would have been bad. Like if Christ oh, was yeah. like, oh, no, I can just make the
0: father serve me. Mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, well, now
1: it's on its head. That's not good. You know, type of a thing.
0: And that's exactly as it would be a complete flipping on its head because like Christ's whole mission was I came to do the will of the father Mm -hmm. who sent me. Mm -hmm. And so like, again, it was never actually a risk. Like that could almost be its own whole other podcast episode. But like, what do we mean when we say Christ was tempted? Cause what we don't mean is that Christ was sitting there stroking his chin. Like, ah, you know, that's a good point. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like maybe I should actually do this. This is, (laughs) ah, that's an interesting thought I hadn't considered. No, (laughs) like it wasn't that right. It's a temptation in the fact that there was something put in front of him, uh, that would have been contrary to God's plan, but it's, he didn't consider it like there is no there is no gap in kind of what we talked about uh on last week's episode this idea that Christ's knowledge of the father is so perfect and their relationship is so perfect that there is no gap of unknowing to be exploited mm-hmm. by the devil in his attempts to like it would be kind of like your your youngest daughter coming up and trying to like tell you well you know daddy mommy said this mm-hmm. and you're going to like Kind of chuckle at her, huh? Oh, did she now? Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, I've known your mommy a lot longer than you have, like, existed. Like, that's yep. actually a biological fact. <laughs> that's a biological truth. Yeah. But, like, it's not something you're going to take seriously. It's not like right. you're going to feel the need to go and grill K on it and be like, now. She was telling me this. Why in the world would she get that idea? Like, no, it's going to be like, if anything, if you're talking to her about it, it's going to be with a smirk on your face. Like, right. Never going to believe what the little one tried tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, there is a – there's a harmlessness and a, not quite a safety, but, like, there is a security against these temptations when Satan brings them. Even when he's on his game, it just doesn't matter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: And that's one of his weaknesses is that because Satan is incapable of trust on that level, is incapable of leaving himself in the hands of the father, like kind of incapable of envisioning others doing that as well. Right. Yeah. That made sense to him because
1: that's what he would have done. And so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think. I think if we're if we're going to wrap towards some life lessons. I think when I'm looking at this second sin and the idea of the, the one that really sticks out to me is that magical thinking and the forcing of God's hand and the negotiate, like that dynamic that comes into play because like I, I struggled with this. I struggle with this still in all honesty, but like it was a, it was a big thing. Like I struggled with some things that I really disliked in my life And magical, like when you get desperate, magical thinking is like a source of hope. Be like, if Mm. I can just do this, then God will take this from me. You know, like I'm so desperate, but it doesn't get taken from you, right? Because that's Mm. not, that's not how it plays out. And so that, you know, reviewing our lives and looking for sources of magical thinking in which we're trying to negotiate with God, we're trying to essentially remove his personhood and make him do what we want, I think is huge because it's subtle, but it has a big impact because I would say that the, the biggest changes in me came when it's, when I started to stop doing that, if that makes sense. Like I, yeah, like there was a sense of responsibility. It's like, no, it's not magical thinking like, Hey, Bootstraps a little bit here, right? Suck it up, buttercup. You have some work to actually do. God put this thorn in your side and you got to friggin deal with it, man. Like, this is part of maturing as a Christian. Like, you have to do your work. And then as you start to do your work, then you find that you're like walking on the path that God set before you're like, oh, hey, God did this for a reason. And then you're walking with Him instead of, you know, trying to manipulate your situation and take the easy route. And so, It's a really complex dynamic, um, but I would say, you know, like if you're you're looking at your life, looking for magical thinking or negotiating, not in the terms that like you have a humble heart, but like you're legitimately trying to leverage God, that there's something, there's a heart problem deep, deep in there somewhere.
0: Definitely, man. And I think so along uh, a similar line, but taking a slightly different bent on it for me, like that. The key to it all is remembering that what we're seek that what I'm seeking is not uh, one specific result. What I'm seeking is relationship with the Almighty. Yeah, like that's what I'm looking for. Is I'm looking for a relationship, which means it's not about what I get in this one particular situation. But what you were just talking about, where do I get by walking side by side with Him, and Because of that, if I keep that in mind, that what I am looking for is a relationship, then I have to think about what the parameters of that relationship are. Mm -hmm. I am in a position of dependence on God, a good and healthy dependence, where like all that I am, all that I can be, all that I desire, and all that will actually bring me joy is going to come from him. Mm -hmm. And so if that is the case and if i acknowledge that he knows better than i do i'm not going to enter into negotiations because i don't want to change his mind right i might bring up some things like hey god don't you think it would be awesome if i won the powerball i think that would be awesome <laughs> get back to yeah. me on that one <laughs> you know like but i'm not actually negotiating with him for it yeah because i trust Number one, that he loves me completely and desires my good and that he knows what the results will be and knows what will actually bring me the joy and the peace that I seek. And I'm just guessing. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't want him to listen to me. I, I mean, like, I want him to listen to me, but I don't want him to do what I say. I don't want him following my commands. Right. Because my commands... At best, based on my lifetime batting average, somewhere around like one or two out of ten times, I actually figured it out, and right. I'm on, and I'm I'm doing what needs to be done, and I'm gonna get the result that I really think I'm gonna get from the thing. God's batting a thousand. Why would I want to take the bat out of His hands? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I take the decision out of His uh, thinking and out of His love and out of His knowledge? And so, like, keeping in mind that relationship. And that trust that is there is kind of the key for me. Yeah. Like I need to maintain those things. Yeah. And then, then my conversations and then my negotiations, then my suggestions are innocent and humble things. Right. And regardless of the answer I get, whether it's a yes, a no, a not yet, whatever the answer might be, it is an answer. And there's peace there. Yeah. And there's relationship there. Yeah. That's
1: the kicker. And like, I like those two things kind of the two life lessons actually came together for me and I was thinking about a relationship in which nobody likes being used right for what you can give them like in a, in a healthy relationship, each person is, is doing their best for themselves and bringing their best to the other. No, one's trying to change the other person. It's the two coming together in relationship. And if you're negotiating, if you're manipulating, if you're trying to change, like you're not in relationship, you're not in love. Those are Mm. dynamics that come into play there. And and again, it all comes from this, this just simple thing. You just like test, just like prove it, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship, you don't just say prove that you love me. Right. Like that, that, that would rub me wrong because (laughs) like, right. Like that's what I'm doing every single frigging day when I show up, you know, like, yeah. So to have that, that would hurt and I could see why Christ would not be willing to, put god to the test because he truly did love him so that it's interesting man that's uh not where i thought the test would go but it makes a lot a lot of sense to me so you got anything else on your brain there man nah man have fun with the mouse yeah oh yeah and then maybe next time i'll be like see how many times we can wear the same shirt on the same podcast yeah there you go go. (laughs) oh well all right with that everybody we will say
0: adieu